Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. So every time we look at the book of Joshua, we're also looking and we can understand more about the book of Acts. The reason is because the book of Joshua was all about going in and taking territory and possessing the inheritance and taking ground. I was so blessed by that school, that testimony that you've heard. What does it look like to see a school coming into the presence of God? I believe that that was the beginning of what it looks like. And as Anna said, as Hannah said, there are people in this room, there's people watching online. You can grab a hold of that as well for your sphere of influence. What does it look like for your house to begin to possess and and exhibit the kingdom of God in the place that you live? What would it look like for your workplace to begin to, if you begin to take the territory that God is giving in your workplace, what would it look like in your school, in your college? And you might say, Ryan, But you don't know where I work. You don't know how hard it is. But I'd say that's exactly why you need to be there. You guys have gone quiet on me again. That's the exact reason why God has put you there because he wants you to be a light. So as we've been looking through the book of Joshua, we've been looking at how God has positioned us to take territory. And there's territory that's being taken in this region. And Lord, we're so grateful to to you, for, for people who say yes. And we're so excited about what you have got for us. And last week we were tracking through the, um, the story of Rahab. Have you guys got your scarlet cords in your Bible? You got your, you put your scarlet cord on your fridge and some people might have tied it to your steering wheel. That's a good idea, isn't it? Uh, and just praying and believing as you go throughout the day that God is a God of redemption. And that no matter what you feel like you've been in or where you've been through, you never have to be stuck in the gap. And the message I want to bring as we continue through Rahab is that I think what God is saying, what I believe God is saying, He's taking us from being stuck in the gap to be people who stand in the gap. God is taking us to be people to stand in the gap. Turn to your neighbor, just nudge their shoulder and say, you are going to stand in the gap. God is positioning you. To stand in the gap. This is the place where God has got so much uh, of work and a call and excitement for you. I don't know where Tracy's gone, but she has stood and Hannah, they have stood in the gap on behalf of a school. And what an incredible joy it's been. So there's there's times that we felt stuck. There's times that um, God wants to bring us into freedom. And one of the things Margaret's already prophesied, and it was beautiful, but I believe that God wants to give us today keys to help us step into that freedom, to help us get unstuck so that we can step into what God wants for us. You know, the enemy, one of his great tactics, and we're going to talk a little bit about the tactics of the enemy, but, and I'll get to this, I never want to um, exalt him or give him any bit of fame or any bit of uh, glory. All the glory goes to Jesus Christ. All the glory goes to God our Father. All the glory comes to the Holy Spirit. He is worthy. He is bigger. He is so much greater. But 
what we can sometimes do is that we can become ignorant. You see, Paul says this. I love this verse in Romans chapter uh, 14. He says, friends, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to miss out on understanding the realization of how the enemy sometimes comes against us. And so God is giving us keys. I want this morning to give you keys so that you never have to be stuck. We're tracking throughout this year, 2023, a year to break free. I believe God is giving you keys even to open doors. God is giving you keys whereby there might be things and areas where you might have said, Ryan, but my territory is actually not as big as I feel it needs to be. That's a really sure sign that God has got a key for you to enlarge your territory. Now, we use keys every single day. We use them to get into our house. We use them to get into our car. We use them to open our post box or our letterbox. We use keys every single day and we, we forget about them. And here, here's what happens. If I'm saying God wants to give us a key, we have to be those who use it. I went on holiday uh, uh, last year. It was an Airbnb. Anyone been on Airbnb holidays? Some of them are great. Some of them, you never know what's going to be behind that door when you open it, right? And, and this was um, on the way back from France. I know, I know. Every time I go on holiday, you can guess it's France. I know. Um, and we had to, in order for us to get in, it was, there was no one there to open the door for us. So they had to leave us the keys, right? And the keys were left behind. You should have read the instructions. Turn up at the gate. Enter this code for the gate. Behind the flower pot. Turn left down an alleyway, miss the second gate, take the third gate, behind the fuchsia bush, I'm like, what if you don't know what a fuchsia bush is, you know, behind the fuchsia bush, there's another key lock with this code, put that in, if that key is there, take the next effort, next exit, if you have a car, however, go backwards to step number three, <laughs> I am not joking, and it was in French. No, it was in English, but we figured it out. So we, we were at the place where we needed to get in the door, and, but we didn't have the key. And we had to try and get the key. And sometimes the enemy even tries to make us feel like it's hard for us to get the key. But I want you to just reach your hand up this morning. God is giving you keys. Say, there's a key in my hand. I'm going to open the door. So often we, we also have the key and we can get so familiar with it. Like I can get to my house at night after doing a meeting at church. And I don't even have to use my eyes to get the key out the bag. I can just put my key or in my pocket. Okay, Anna's surprised by this. Should we have, let's have a little bit of fun. How many of you guys, you can tell the difference between your spouses by where they leave the keys throughout the house? That's why Anna's like, that's amazing. I, I always have the keys in my pocket. I just, I can close my eyes. I can put the key out. I can put the key in the door. I can turn it and I can get in without even using it. Why? Because I've become so familiar with the key. Does that make sense? And God wants us to know that there are keys even in our lives that we have to get, we have to put into practice. We have to hoo through by daily use. There are keys that we have to become uh, used to handling every single day. There are keys that we have to say, I'm going to grab a hold of that revelation that the Lord has given me in order to overcome this cycle. The door to my house is actually quite difficult. 
we had a couple of people who were looking after our children um, once, and they couldn't even get into the front door, so they just ended up chilling out in the garden the whole day because they couldn't open the front door. But the door is a bit difficult, and what happens as well with our children, they might have keys because they're teenagers now, and they have a key to the house. I mean, what happened to waiting till what was the age when you got given the keys? 16 years old. You know, they, they have keys. But because 21, wow, we're like progressive, aren't we? Acceleration in the name of Jesus. I, I'm joking. I'm sure all your kids have keys. But my children will have a key for the front door, right? They'll get to the front door. But they'll push the doorbell. And they'll get me to run down from my bedroom to let them in thinking it's the Amazon delivery guy. Why will they do that? Because it's easier sometimes to push the doorbell. Now, I'm using them as a fantastic example because here's what we do. God gives us keys, and we who, by daily use, need to put them into practice. Sometimes we come places and we think, I've got the keys, but it's easier just to ring the doorbell, to say, I need help right now. Someone come and do it for me. But God is saying he's giving us the keys to break the cycle because he wants you to be someone who's no longer stuck in the gap, but begins to stand in the gap on behalf of other people. There are people in your environment who are right now ringing the doorbell and you've got the key to let them in. You've got the key to open the door. You've got the key to say, this is the way. Walk in it. I'm bringing together a couple of the words, even in the worship, Jake brought a word from Revelation chapter 4. And Jesus says, I, I'm not, I'm come up here, come up now. Do you know that you have got the key to come into the presence of the living God? To come into the presence of the almighty God? To come into the presence of the God who says in Isaiah 22, 22, don't worry, just write this down, but capture what he's saying. He says in Isaiah 22, 22, I will give you the keys of David. I will put it on your shoulders. And this key, what this key locks, no one can open. And what this key opens, no one can shut. So we've been called to come into the presence of an almighty God who's got keys for every situation that you're facing, who's got keys for every difficulty that you're facing, who's got keys for every mountain that you feel like you're facing. I'm speaking into your heart right now. Some of you are here listening to the sound of my voice and saying, but I'm facing a mountain. I want you to know the Lord God Almighty has got a key that can shift every mountain. He's got a key that can break down every wall. He's got a key whereby we stop saying, I'm just going to ring the doorbell because it's worked for me in the past. I am going to be one of those people who steps in because God is calling me to stand in the gap. Come on, tell the person next to you, I'm going to stand in the gap. God's calling me to stand in the gap. There are some of us who've lost the keys. God is giving you keys even today. Turn with me, uh, Joshua chapter 7. Let's read through this story. I'm going to kick off in verse 7. 7, 7. That's a good number, isn't it? You guys can remember that. Joshua 7, 7. And Joshua said, so, so we, we've, we've tracked the story of Rahab. We've tracked the windows that she opened. We've tracked the scarlet cord of God's grace for your life that no matter what you're in, his redemption is calling you out. And how she became part of the scarlet cord of God's redemptive story, even through the lineage line of Jesus. We've tracked how Rahab was one who said, I am going to make a way 
even though my house is in the wall, I'm going to stand in faith. And her house was the only place in the wall that it didn't fall. And God brought her into a place of freedom. The very next battle that God's people come to is a battle of AI. Now, I don't know if you call it artificial intelligence or you want to say A. It's the battle of A. I just say AI because I don't know how to pronounce it. Battle of AI. And at this place, they got familiar. At this place. Remember talking about the keys. We can get so familiar with them sometimes. At this place, they didn't consult God. They didn't ask the Lord, what is your plan for this battle? Every single battle that you face in your life, God has got a key for. Every single battle that you face in your life, God has got a key for. Joshua and the people of Israel, they didn't consult God. And the, the story, the scriptures go, I, I'm using the word story, not as like a Bible story. You know that. This is a factual history lesson. This is what the Bible is. The Bible is one of the most proved books of history uh, through, throughout scholars. There's so many manuscripts. You can believe what you read on the pages of the word of God. And they didn't consult for the battle of AI. They used their own intelligence instead of going to God's intelligence. They were trusting in AI. Let me tell you, AI is not ready yet for you guys. I've tried to use AI on my phone to do stuff. It goes really wrong. Anyone else tried to use AI? It's not ready yet. We need God's intelligence, not artificial intelligence. They come to the battle of AI. They didn't consult Jesus. And they said, oh... You only need to send about 3,000 people. There's not many people at AI. We can defeat them easily. But moreover, there was a guy called Achan who had stolen something at the previous battle that was causing his territory and the territory of our whole nation to fall away. I'm teaching you because I want you to be one who stands in the gap. I want you to be one who knows what it is to stand in the gap. And at this place... The people of Ai defeated Israel, and Israel ran back. And here is Joshua interceding before the Lord from verse 7. Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Say it, come on, stand up. You see, Joshua is here and he thinks he's interceding. He thinks he's praying. Really all he's doing is he's ringing that doorbell. He's whinging. God says, no, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated, or the word there is passed over, my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions, and that is why Israel cannot stand against their enemies. You see, to be a leader, to be a, a Christian, I, I believe God is calling us to be those who stand in the midst of uh, the world where people can't stand. God is calling you to be someone who stands even in the midst of other places and people's lives where they are being defeated and they cannot stand. God is calling us to stand. They turn their backs and they run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Those are some of the saddest words 
that I find in the Bible. There's a number of places where it says, God says, I can't be with you because of what you do. Then Joshua said to Achan, let's continue on in verse 19 now. And Joshua said to Achan, they, they got to the point where God has a key for every battle. God gave Joshua a key to discover what was going on. And he comes to Achan and he says, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messages and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent. They brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. And they spread or they poured them out before the Lord. I want to just cross-reference what we've read there in the book of Joshua with a verse in 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn in if you want. 1 Peter chapter 5, just from verse 6. This is now a New Testament understanding as well of what was going on. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. I believe that God is giving us keys even through this passage today, where there are areas in our lives where we, have, we might feel like, God, I can't feel you. God, I'm not close to you. God, where are you? God, I've lost territory. God, I've lost ground. God, I'm stuck in the gap. I've got good news for you. You don't take a sigh of relief. I've got good news for you. There is someone who stood in the gap on your behalf. There is someone who lived life on this earth, never managed to get stuck in the gap of sin. Never managed to fall into the traps of temptation. And he did it on your behalf. He did it on my behalf. He did it on behalf of your family. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he comes, he came on the day of Calvary, on the cross, and he stood in the gap. And even as he stretched out his hands, his arms, he linked your life with the life of God. He linked all of your broken history through the forgiveness of his blood with what can be your destiny. And we can step into a place where we are no longer stuck in the gap because Jesus stood in the gap for us. And that is the hope that I want to preach as I talk about this. I want to just talk a little bit about the enemy. You see, the enemy came to a guy called Achan and he tempted Achan. Achan saw the gold. I love, I love what, the, what the Bible says. Did you, did you notice that scripture? There was a Babylonian robe. Listen, all the way through our, our history as humanity, we want to look good, don't we? He saw a Babylonian robe. You can just imagine what he was thinking. Oh, my wife would look good in that. He saw the gold. And you can just imagine what he's thinking. Surely God has enough gold already. 
Why do I need to, do I really need to give that gold to the temple? You see, everything from that battle was devoted to the Lord. It's really important. Everything from that battle was devoted to the Lord. Um, uh, spoiler alert, Achan died for his sins. And I found myself sometimes thinking, God, why was that such a strong punishment? And he said to me, Ryan, don't forget what happens in the book of Acts. Remember I said there's a link between the two. What happened with Ananias and Sapphira? They didn't have to give all of what they said. They'd give, but they lied in their hearts and they withheld. But more importantly, God said to me, whenever I do something new on the earth, it has to be guarded and done right because it becomes a master. It becomes a blueprint. And if something is blueprinted wrongly, people will repeat the pattern. It's like this. Imagine if you go and get a key for your house, but, the, but you have to copy it for, you, for someone in the family and the key cutter cuts it wrong. Will you be able to get in the house? No. Everything that God does, especially when he's birthing the new, he wants to make sure that it's done just right. So there is no space for the enemy in it. There is no mixture for the enemy in it. There is no uh, pattern that can be duplicated of the enemy. And we can look at the Old Testament sometimes and we can say, God, wow, why were you not such a God of grace like you are because of Jesus? Let me tell you, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The more I read the Old Testament, the more I read the Bible, the more I realize God was so gracious. Even back then, he was so generous. But one of the things we talked about last week with Rahab is she was a midwife of the new of what God was doing. Do you remember that? With the flax that she hid the Israelite spies on the roof under, just like Moses' mother hid Moses in a basket that floated down the river. She hid the spies. And so God is hiding the new move within our hearts. And I want you to know, there's a grace for this message right now. This whole year as we've been tracking uh, a year to break free, I've wanted to preach this message under different titles. One of the titles was this, How to Overcome Temptation. That's a good message. How to overcome temptation. I've wanted to preach it at least three times and I haven't felt a release or a grace from God, but I felt today is the day. And so I'm teaching this to you. I'm preaching this to you because I want you to remember that there is someone who stood in the gap for you first. So if there's any area of failing or falling in your heart, you bring it to the, to the cross of Jesus Christ this morning and he is going to cover you because he is calling you to stand in the gap. And so when Jesus does something new on the earth, he wants to make sure that it's very right. Can I tell you a bit of a little story of, of failure in my own life? It's fun to talk about our history. Um, we heard on Tracy's testimony, she's been coming for six years. For some of you, you've been coming for longer than that. For some of you, you've been coming recently, and it's such a joy to have you here. But many years ago, when I started working at Revival Fires, it was 20 years ago. It's a long time ago. It was before the days of CD players. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm not that old. Gosh, there was CD players, but we used to record the messages on cassette tapes. Anyone know what a cassette tape is? Come on, all you old parents and grandparents and mothers in the house, stick your hands up. Cassette tapes. I, I love that meme that's going on the internet. There's a picture of a cassette tape and a picture of a pencil. And it simply says, if you don't know the correlation, you'll, you never lived or something like that. 
you know, back in the day when we would play on Walkmans and we, we wanted to fast forward a song and we didn't have digital things, we just hit skip, hit skip. And you didn't want to run the battery down on your Walkman. That was the key thing. You couldn't run out of battery. So you stick a pencil in the cassette and you do this like... I tell you what, I was really good at that. Everyone in my class was like, Ryan, could you fast forward my cassette? No problem. Three dollars. Three dollars. Anyway, so back in the day, 20 years ago, we record the messages onto cassette tapes. I'm at the back. Trevor is preaching an amazing message. I mean like, you know one of those messages that you can never keep up with your notebook fast enough? You know one of those messages you know that if the world is to hear it, revival would break out. You know what I'm talking about? Like a message. And my job at that point in the church, I was the media man. Can we give a shout of praise for the media guys? Luke, Terry, Mike, Luke, there's two Lukes, Tony, all of you guys, you're a blessing to us. And I, you know, I was responsible for media. Let's say I was responsible. The next Monday morning, we come in the office, staff meeting, and Trevor said, Ryan, that message I preached, I want you to, to copy it on, duplicate it on the cassette tapes, and I want you to send it to all of our partners. It's a key message that is going to change their lives. Great job, I'm on it. We had this little cassette duplicator. It did three cassettes at a time. I spent all day sticking cassettes and hitting record, uh, hitting duplicate. Cassettes and hitting duplicate, cassettes and hitting duplicate, sticking the labels on, putting them in the envelopes. End of the day, I took it to the, the post office and I had this bag full of cassettes. We sent it out and I was like, yes, I did my job. The next week, <laughs> the next week, phone call after phone call. Hey, Trevor, thank you so much for sending me a tape. I, I was really encouraged by the covering letter. I couldn't wait to listen to it. I put it in my car and it was blank. Phone call after phone call, letter after letter, email after email. So then, do you know what happened? I heard your voice, Alex, just for the people on the stream. Alex says, you got fired. Well, evidently not, because I'm still here. <laughs> I learned a good lesson, but there's a point in this. There's a point in this. Trevor is so gracious. Isn't Trevor so gracious? Give Trevor and Sharon a clap. Lord, we bless them. As they take this, this month, I know it's, it's coming to an end, but they've taken some time to be refreshed, to be rejuvenated, and we bless them on their holiday right now. What happened was I didn't hit record. And the cassette was blank. And I duplicated something that had a fault in it. And it created a problem. You see, when God is moving in our lives, when he is at the inception of birthing new in our lives, he doesn't want there to be any place for the enemy's mixture. He doesn't want there to be any place for the enemy's sin, for the enemy's hindrance. Because what he's doing in your life is going to be duplicated in the lives of other people. And so we are people who say, Lord, search me. Lord, investigate me. Lord, find any way that it's offensive in my heart. Lord, come and change me. Lord, I want to live free of temptation. I don't want to be an Achan. And here's the thing. If you read the scriptures, what does God say to Joshua? Does he say to Joshua, hey, Joshua, the reason you lost at the battle of artificial intelligence is because there's a dude called Achan in your camp and he sinned. Go find him. No. 
What does it say? God says, Israel has sinned. Think about that for a minute. God says, Israel has sinned. You see, God, Jesus could stand in the gap on behalf of all people as an individual because the same thing already happened back in the days of Adam and Eve. One person's sin affected the whole lot. Here's my point. You do not know what you are bringing into your family. You do not know what you are bringing into your workplace. You do not know sometimes what you are bringing into your school because God has called us to stand in the gap. And sometimes there's areas in our lives where we think, Lord, why am I not seeing the victory? And God is saying, because it's affected everything. But the flip side is true. And here's where I want to put your anchor of hope. When you stand in holiness, the enemy has got no power to know what you are bringing into your family. When you stand in purity, the enemy has got no chance against the power that you bring into your workplace. He's got no chance because you stand in the gap. But if we're going to be people who stand in the gap, we stand in the gap full of the purity of God. So I want us just to understand a little bit of the way that the enemy works. I read that verse from 1 Peter chapter 5 and he's, he, the Bible calls him the enemy. Now that actual word is diabolos, diablos. And it's taken from two words. And the words mean, if you look in the Greek, they mean through and slander or through and accusation. So every time we come to the enemy's work in our lives, I want you to understand this is how he works. He works through accusation. He works through. Now that word through is very important because here's what the enemy does. He's always looking for entry points into the world. He's always looking for entry points into our lives. And every time we come up to a place of temptation, I was talking about Achan, what, what the things he could have said, you know, does God really need this gold? Surely God has enough. Surely it won't be missed. It sounds a lot like the words that the serpent said to Eve and Adam and the Garden of Eden. Did God surely say if you eat from this tree? You see, he is the accuser. He is the slanderer. He is the one who looks for an access point, for an entry point, because he can only work, listen to this, because you, you could. I don't want you to get any shame or condemnation. I want you to have conviction from the Holy Spirit so you can be free. But listen to this. He can only work through you. Think about that. If he doesn't work through us, he's got absolutely no power at all. He is dethroned. Do you remember we spoke a couple weeks ago? Why of all the animals, I love animals. Okay, I love animals. Why of all the animals was he called a serpent? Because a serpent has got no arms and a serpent has got no feet and he has been disarmed and he has been defeated. And the only place he gets arms and legs and territory is when we give it to him. And so we will be a people because we stand in the gap. We say, Lord, let no temptation come near me. Lord, let no sin be found in our camp. What is it that Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation. Let me tell you, this message is a grace for it right now. This message is for us as we come into our holidays. This message is for us as we come into different seasons. This message is for us and it's one that God put on the lips of Jesus when he taught us to pray. Lord, in times of transition, I mentioned about... Um, Ananias, Sapphira, Achan, why was it so important? Because here's the things and the times when the enemy would want to come and 
tempt you or come and try and plant seeds in your life at times of transition, very important. Times of transition in our lives, times when there are new things being birthed. There are times when we are about to grow in territory because he wants our territory. He had no territory. He had no territory until Adam and Eve gave it to him. How? Through an entry point. The other time that he comes often, and this is me being real with you, he comes at points of, and wants to put temptation in us at times of tiredness. Be aware. I don't want you to be ignorant of the plans of the enemy. Because if we can understand it, we can have a key to say, I'm going to defeat it. And so he is someone who is always looking for entry points. Some of the entry points in our lives, well, God, God made us this way. We have five senses. And those five senses are also gateways and entry points into us. We have the, the sense of sight, eyes. What is, was it that Achan said in the book of Joshua chapter 7? He said, I saw the beautiful robe. I saw the gold. I saw the silver and I coveted it. You see, there's an entry point that the enemy is always trying to get in our lives. And it's through the eye gates. The other one is our ear gates. The things that you hear. Be very aware of what you listen to. Be very aware of the sounds and the the things that you talk about as well. Because we don't want to create any kind of uh, point where the enemy can come in. A sense of smell. I mean, this one, this is funny, but let's just be honest. I can say to Anna, no bread. I'm going off bread for this week. I'd like to say God called me to a fast, but I'll be honest with you, I'm going on a beach holiday and I'm over 40 and I just need to be aware of some things. <laughs> so, no bread, Anna. But what happens? I walk past Greg's. <laughs> now, that's not a temptation and I'm not calling it a sin. So, take a deep breath. You're all excused. But the sense of smell enters my body and no matter what resolutions I had decided in my heart when I smell that fresh baked Greg's oh my goodness I better stop preaching like this because you're going to want to go home for lunch the mouth gate the things we say our our touch gate the things that we we sense you see the enemy wants to come and he wants to put desires he wants to put drives he wants to come and find an entry point into our lives why because he has no territory other than the territory we have and he wants your territory he has no work other than if he works through us and so he wants to work through you he comes with slander he comes with the voice of the accuser that talks about our thoughts talks about our mind talks about our identity let me tell you how this works i heard a fantastic podcast this week and there's something called self thought the way we think about ourselves. And here's how the enemy works. I could go around my day. Uh, let us talk about Greg's. Why not? And, and, and I, can, I can say no bread, no pastries, no hot dogs, no donuts. <laughs> and I can smell it and I can eat it. It's Greg's. It's not an apple. I'm not, I'm not Eve, but you get the idea. And then I can think to myself, Man, I'm just not strong enough. Then I can think to myself, man, what else am I not strong enough in? 
And then I can think, man, I'm such a failure. And then I can think, man, all of my life is a failure. And we do this thing with our thoughts once the enemy gets entry into it, where it becomes three things. And these are really important words just to understand your self-thought, your self-talk, the way we talk about ourselves on the inside. Because this is not holy. This is not what God's put for you. And there are gates even in your thoughts that God wants you to close down. Because this is a year to break free. Let's get real about it, right? And here's the three things. On our self-talk, we always do this. We make it personal. We make it permanent. And we make it pervasive. Let me explain that. Am I a failure because I ate Greg's? Or what do I say? I'm a failure. I failed, it was an event, it happened, I can deal with it. Hit the treadmill, Ryan. I'm having a fun with you here because sometimes when we want to talk about sin, we can go all like clammy and hard and think, is he pointing fingers at me? Let me know, let me tell you, I'm pointing fingers at me too because God wants me to be free. Not from Greg's, but from the spiritual truth of what I'm preaching to you. This is an analogy. Are you tracking it with me? This is an analogy. Are you tracking it with me? Come on. This is an analogy. Are you tracking it with me? So we make it personal. I've, there was a failure that happened. There was an event in my life where something went wrong. We can deal with the event and move on. But internally, we say, I failed. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not tall enough. Whatever it is, these are the things we say. Then it becomes permanent. We add the word always. I always mess up. I forgot to hit record on a cassette tape. It was sent to 400 partners. I made a mess up once. But what did I have to deal with? That feeling that I always mess up. Every time I go to push record on the button, I always mess up. Have I messed up? What else have I messed up in? Am I doing a good job with my kids? Did I run that red light? Are my parents happy with us, with me? I always mess up. We make it permanent. The next thing is pervasive. That thought, like yeast, begins to permeate and go across all the other areas of your life. So it was just Greg's, but now all of a sudden, I'm such a bad father. <laughs> you get the idea. That's the enemy. Identify it. If you identify it, you've got the key already. God, help me with my thoughts. I talked about territory. Where, this is why territory is important. Where did Achan hide the goods under the ban? In his tent. He gave up his personal territory to sin. That's what happens when we sin. We give up our personal territory to the enemy. And God is saying, I want your territory back. God is saying to you, stand up. Take your territory back. God is saying to you, I have called you to stand in the gap. No more will you lose authority over the call that I've given you because of the sin that you've allowed. And so we say to any little bits of snakes, any sense of temptation, flee. You're not welcome here. God wants his territory back. See, God told Joshua to stand up. It's a battle for authority. We have got authority over the gates of our lives. Have you got authority over your eye gate? Have you got authority over your ear gate? Have you got authority over your smells? God smells. <laughs> you can laugh at that one. Over your sense of smell. 
Have you got authority over your mouth? Oh, what does James say about this? This little tongue is the smallest muscle in the body, but yet it can steer great ships. It's the smallest muscle in the body, yet it can start forest fires. One little match can destroy thousand hectares of trees. Territory. He wants your territory. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand firm and we're going to stand in the gap. And the third one is this. He comes like a lion. I've thought about that scripture so many times. Thought, why? Why is the enemy like a lion? I want you to notice something. I'm talking about the enemy. There's only one devil, okay? The Bible's talking about the devil here. But that devil has all of his demons and they all have his characteristics but there's not enough devils devil to go around and have effect on every single one of you you're free the devil doesn't have the gift of omnipresence but sometimes we give it to him i can be counseling people i might meet five people in a week and every single one of them says that they had the devil at their door i'm like man he's not omnipresent which one was it Let's stop enthroning him. Let's stop enthroning Jesus. So the devil goes around like a lion. I'm saying, God, why like a lion? Why like a lion? He says, Ryan, look at the scripture again. I use the word like. Like. Like means fake. Imitation. Tries to. Tries to impress. Uh, We've got time. Have you guys got time? Greg's will stay open until three. It's okay. We were in Zimbabwe in the month of May, a couple months ago. Amazing mission trip. You've heard some of the stories. It's my turn to tell my side, okay? At the end of a fantastic conference, they treated us to a couple of days in the bush. Now, I want you to say bush. Say it like me, bush. The bush. That's it. The bush is where the wild animals live, okay? This part of the Zambezi River has never been inhabited since God created his great planet. There's, there's a fly that carries a disease called sleeping sickness, called a tsetse fly. It lives in the valley. So people haven't even moved in. People have never lived there. It's wild. It's been wild since God made it, and it's wild now. So there's everything walking around, hyenas, lions, cheetahs, leopards. I mean, everything is there, and, and it's, it's incredible. And so we go, and we set up a tent no, we don't, this tent was set up, sorry. We go and we stay in a tent on the banks of the Zambezi. And I come from Africa. I know what animals are like, okay? I know, what, I know that there's big, scary animals in the world. And I'm aware of it. But we go to bed at night, and they said to us, you might hear the lions roaring tonight. And those lions start roaring, and I have never been so afraid in my entire life. The last day of the commons before we went to the valley, there was a tour guide there and he was telling us stories about how he would take American hunters out and how he had been attacked by a lion. And he's showing us the scars on his hands. He's showing us the teeth marks. He's telling us the stories of how he overcome, overcame the lion, how he won the victory. And it sounds great hearing those stories, doesn't it? Like, wow, you know, show me your knife. Oh, cool. And what gun did you use? Wow, that was that big enough? He says, no, that gun wasn't big enough. I had to use this one. Otherwise, it would have totally finished me off. You know, like, wow. Okay, so that's good. And I'm thinking, don't tell Anna. <laughs> so she's hearing it for the first time today. There's a grace here. Don't tell Anna. Anna texts me, how's it going? I'm like, it's great. 
Subtext, I wet my bed last night. <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're on the banks. I, I heard the stories. You forget about it. It's a long drive. You get there. You forget about it. You know, there was loads of beautiful uh, feathered birds that I was watching that, you know, helped me forget about all of the, the lions and everything. You go to bed at night around three in the morning. They start roaring. And they're roaring. You know, when something's far away, it often loses the, the, the top end. So it's like... If I do this, I sound like I'm far away. But if I do this, you can hear every breath. I could hear the breath of the lion's roar. <laughs> At the end. It woke me up. Do you know what? A little bit of inside information. In the tent, there's two beds. There's the doors at one side and there's two beds. When I got in, I said to Trevor, Trevor, why don't you have that bed by the door? Because then at night, you could have the zip open and have the mosquito net, just the mosquito net, so that in, if any hippos come past, you can see the hippos. I've seen hippos before. I don't need to see hippos tonight. You can have that tent. I was thinking, if a lion comes in, it gets to him first. <laughs> I know, I know. So the lion starts roaring. The first thing I do, I get up and I close every single window in the place. It's just a bit of canvas that's flapping open with a mosquito net behind, but I'm closing it like, I don't want the lion to see me. I don't want the lion to smell me. I don't want nothing. Then it keeps roaring, it keeps roaring. And I'm thinking, Father God, I haven't even got a weapon in here. The things that you think about. You know, I heard the story of the guy with the gun and the gun wasn't big enough. And I don't have a gun in here. Because of the wild animals, you're not even allowed to take food into the tent, right? Because they'll come and break into the tent. So there's no food. I'm like, I don't even have a plastic sandwich knife. <laughs> I am not joking. This actually happened. Ask the Lord when we come to heaven. This is the thought that went through my mind. I have a toothbrush. <laughs> and I thought, I could like grind the toothbrush to a point. <laughs> and then at least if Trevor doesn't taste good. a toothbrush <laughs> like a lion okay roaring awesome that same night about four o'clock in the morning a mosquito starts buzzing around my bed have you ever tried to share a tent with a mosquito you can never find it it's the smallest thing. It's the most insignificant thing. But let me tell you, it is the most annoying thing you will ever experience. Just as you fall asleep. It's a light on. It's gone. It's like it's a spirit or something. It vaporizes. You switch the light off again. And you just like whack whatever part of your body you think you've got this thing on. Here's the point I'm trying to make. That mosquito kept me awake longer than the lion did. The enemy, the diablos, the one who's an accuser who tries to find an entry point, he is like a lion. But all he is is a mosquito. He comes in with these words, with these sounds, with these thoughts, and he wants to keep you awake. And we stay awake all night over it. We, we turn the light on trying to find it all the time. But let me tell you, he's like a lion, but your God, Jehovah, yeah. is a lion. Yeah. 
He is a lion. He is the lion of Judah. He is the victory. He's not just a sound or a like or an analogy or an imitation or a fake. If you guys go on holiday to Spain, Greece, take sun cream, stay warm. Don't buy any fake handbags, okay? <laughs> the enemy is a fake. Yeah. It'll break on you after three weeks. Put your Bible in it. This is Anna's story. We got given one. We didn't buy it. She uses it and engage. You know, start to put your Bible in it, carried away. And what happens? One of the handles fall off. I'm like, Anna, your handbag's broken. She says, I know, Ryan. Just don't stop and look because people will know that. And I don't want them to know it's a fake. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. <laughs> the enemy is a fake. May his lies over you be nothing more than a mosquito. Put the light on. One clap. I taught you to clap your hands because there is a sound of praise that can overcome. There is a sound of praise that breaks the enemy's structure. There is a sound of praise that makes us say, no more temptation. There is a sound of praise that says, give me my territory back. There's a sound of praise that says, no more entry over my family. You are not welcome here. No more entry over Dudley. You are not welcome here. No more entry over the UK. You are not welcome here. No more entry over the world because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And his glory will cover it like the waters cover the sea. And so we say, this is your territory. King of glory, come and have your way. Amen. Give him a hand. Give him some praise. Oh, I've got eight keys to identity. Do you have time for eight keys? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I said I'd never do this. Drop eight keys at the end, but here we are. <laughs> We've had a good time, haven't we? Are you feeling empowered to stand in the gap? Are you feeling empowered that where temptation and sin has had you caught in the gap, that you can say no more? No more. I am standing in the middle of the gap. Let me just give you these because I'm not preaching next week, am I? <laughs> no, I'm not. There you go. So, there are, the enemy is like a lion. He is a counterfeit. He is a fake. And these are some of the fakes that he moves in our life with. And I need you to identify them because they are eight keys. Every time you see this operating in your life, you can say, hold on. This is sin. Hold on. This is a temptation. Hold on. This is not what God has planned for me. And the first is this. He wants to put coveting in the place of desire. See, God has put desire in your hearts. There is a passion in your heart. I want you to be a passionate people. I want you to be a people of vision, of people who are hungry and thirsty. But the enemy comes and he wants you to covet. Have you ever coveted anything? That's the first sign that there's temptation knocking at your door. He wants you to talk about self-image instead of being made in God's image. This is huge. I'm so glad that you young people are in with us today. I'm really blessed that stuff happens on Sunday for you. But I want you to hear this. This is huge. The world will talk to you about how is your self-image. And it's partly right. It's important. We need to have good identity. But let me tell you what the Bible says. You were made in God's image. As soon as we make anything about ourselves, selfishness, let me tell you, we're coming to a place where we are duplicating blank cassettes. You understand that. Fear of man instead of the fear of God. This is a message one day I'll get to preach this year, I believe. The enemy wants us to live in the fear of man. But God has called us to live in the fear of him. 
God has called us to live in a reverence and an awe. But if the enemy can keep us in the fear of man, we will fall into temptation. The fourth one, concealing instead of covering. Achan went and he hid the gold, the robes, and the silver. He hid it. He concealed it. And often what we do when we, when we know that we're shawling, falling short of God's plan for our lives is we conceal it. Don't conceal it. Don't conceal it. Bring it under covering. What does covering look like? Covering looks like coming to Jesus Christ. Sometimes in your bedroom. Sometimes with your life group leaders. Sometimes with your family. Sometimes with your friends. There's so many options. You say, Lord, I've fallen short. I'm stuck in the gap. I want to bring my life under your covering. I don't want it to be concealed. You know, even in the realms of revelation, the enemy has this thing called the occult. The occult means hidden. The occult is fake. God is revelation. He wants to come and shine his light upon your life. Oh, let me tell you this about concealing. This is, this is how temptation can work even in my life. There was a point a couple years ago. It was a while ago. I don't think I've ever shared this story, Anna. Anna and I were driving... This is a day for stories, isn't it, babe? Anna and I were driving to a family event, and we were talking about a member of the family. It wasn't good. We were complaining. They do this, and oh, I don't like it when they do that. And This is good, because I want you to know, I've been stuck in the gap, okay? So when I'm preaching to you, I really mean these are keys of freedom. And we're talking about this person. I mean, it was about a 15-minute drive, and we were going for it, weren't we, babe? <laughs> Let me, I'm preaching. Let me rephrase this. I was going for it. They were talking about them like, ha oh. It was a 10 years ago story. Thank you for that. No, I think it was 15. So I'm your lead pastor. You're in safe hands, I promise. Here you are thinking, I'm not going to tell Ryan anything. This is a long time ago. And God's totally, I've learned my lesson, okay? Hands down, learned my lesson. We're going, we're going for it. I'm so frustrated. Why did they do that? It makes me feel like this, oh, all this stuff. We get to the house. Of course, we leave that in the car, do our hair, and ring the doorbell. Oh, hi, nice to see you. And they look at us like this. And I'm thinking, is the spirit of revelation working here? It didn't need to work because the whole journey there, my car had butt dialed them and left the voicemail of the entire conversation. It happened. Truth. So, so we get into the house and they say, sit down, family conference. Let me tell you, if you have to have a family conference, it's not good news. Family conference, they play it. Now, explain yourself. Whoa, I tell you what, that was the most important lesson Anna and I have ever learned. We do not talk about people badly ever. Hand on heart, truth before the Lord. And this is what happens. There's been a few times, maybe once or twice a year, we find ourselves thinking, we're talking about someone and we're like, because we do talk about people, but in a good way. We do talk about people because we pray for you. We do talk about people because we're real and we want you to become a step into freedom. But there's been a few times, maybe a couple of times every year, Anna, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, we're talking about someone and then we say to each other, oh, hold on, is this a telephone moment? <laughs> Honestly, we realize we are stepping over something. And if they were to hear what I was saying about them, would they be blessed? Yes. 
a good question. It's an easy one for me to ask because it happened to me. And I never want to be in that situation ever again. So before the Lord. And it's so, so right. Say that. And not because we were caught out, but because actually it was a really good life lesson for us to learn. There you go. So concealing. Don't ever think you can get away with it. Ooh, nice and quiet there. The Bible says this. What you do in secret, I will shout from the rooftops. Jesus, thank you that you taught me that lesson. I, I have learned my lesson. Would you be a wise steward and learn a lesson from me? Instead of you having to make your own mistakes. It says that in Proverbs. A fool doesn't heed the wisdom of elders. You can learn mistakes from other people. I mean, you'd have a great story if you learned your own mistakes, and I'd love to hear them. But concealing. Let's never conceal stuff. The fifth one. Selfish ambition instead of godly destiny. Unbridled ambition is Luciferian in its very nature. Lucifer, the Satan, the devil, he said, I will ascend. I will be like God. I will look like God. I will make my throne. And he was so ambitious. Every time that we have an ambition, a drive, that's bigger than what God's destiny is for us, we need to realize, hey, there's, there's a possibility of temptation here. I'm stepping into territory that I don't want to lose. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. We need to lay our lives down and then we will be free from this. The sixth one is control instead of authority. Another one for the young people. I just want to put this out here. The world is so big on influence at the moment. Influences, social media, all the platforms, be an influencer, start a trend. But really, when you want to make influence your goal and not authority, you do anything you can to get the likes of people. And that's self-image, not God's image. God is calling you when you stand in the gap to be a person of authority. Let me tell you, authority trumps worldly influence every time. Authority gives you an influence because you have the touch and the breath and the favor of heaven upon your life. So Father God, as we grow in this, any areas of control, keep us aligned with your plan. The seventh one is lust instead of love. It's a huge one. It's a real one in the world we live in. Anytime that you find yourself thinking about this and desires, it, it sums up all the ones before. Everything that we've got before, instead of love. You see, love is summed up in Corinthians chapter 13. It's patient, it's kind, it's gentle, it's good, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's holy. I might have left a couple else out from there. But if love doesn't match up to that, it's probably not love. And you say, God, I'm not going to lose territory over this. God, I'm not going to create an entry point in my life over this because you're calling me to stand in the gap. And you see, we have got no authority over areas of our lives that are subject to sin. And God is calling us to be a people who walk in victory. God is calling us to be people who stand in the gap. If you want to stand in the gap, I invite you, just stand up with me this afternoon. Jude's going to come on up. We are going to partake in the most beautiful sacrifice that Jesus Christ did. Remember I told you there is one that stood in the gap on our behalf. And what we're going to do when it comes to take communion 
as we remember what he did. We come to a place where we say, Lord, I can be fully known by you. I can uncover my life to you because he doesn't sit in condemnation. He sits in conviction and with conviction comes the power to change. And I'm believing right now. I just want to pray. If, if there are areas in your life that you, you just sense that God is wanting to give you more territory, put your hand up right now. I want to release this. Lord, you see your people. They're not responding to me. They're responding to you. Would you please increase their territory, Father God? Would you give them places and areas where the enemy has been coming in like a flood? Right now, we raise up a standard in the name of Jesus. As I, even as our hands are raised, let it be a standard where we say no more. We see you, we understand you, and you are giving us keys today to increase our territory. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.